I'm Katrina Craigwell. And I'm Annalise Campbell. And welcome to Am I on Mute? This is our first episode. It's our first episode. It's very exciting. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We wanted to start this out by just introducing ourselves, sharing a little bit about our backgrounds and why we are so excited to be talking about the future of leading teams in hybrid work environments, in all kinds of businesses, in a whole bunch of new dynamics. Over the next few episodes, we're going to talk to amazing leaders from different industries who all have incredibly valuable learnings to share about leading teams over the last couple of years. But I thought we could start by talking a little bit about how we each got here and our careers and the things that we have experienced and the things that we have learned over the last couple of years. Annalise, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah, sure. So I am your lovely co-host, Annalise Campbell. I currently am the CEO and founder of an influencer marketing agency that focuses on diversity, equity, inclusion, representation in influencer marketing, CFG. We are going on four years of existing in November of 2023, which is crazy. I had the experience, is what I will call it, of launching a business three months before a global pandemic. So that was fun (laughs) and unexpected in so many ways. Prior to that, I was at a performance marketing agency, January Digital, where I led top funnel influencer strategy and paid strategy for luxury, retail, consumer-facing brands. Before that, I'm a former Golan employee. So if there's any Goliners listening, hey guys. And while I was there, I spent a good bulk of my time building out their influencer division for the consumer side and launching basically just their approach to influencer because because I at the time there there was no influencer. I always like to joke like I remember the day that I got the FTC guidelines in my email because like, okay, we have to have some type of regulation in this space. Like it can't just be a free for all. And in between that, I moved to Texas. I moved for love. Um, I went to Golden Dallas. Then I dipped my toe in the B2B space and realized that it wasn't for me. I'm a consumer gal through and through. And I decided that there were some issues that I had with the influencer space at large. And I didn't think it was as equitable for people who look like me and people who don't look like me, but just people who are other. It was really important to me that I build something that I felt like was making an impact on the industry for the right reasons. And now going through this entrepreneurial journey, I now realize there's a lot about work that I am building at CFG that I care so deeply about that if you would have told me that I would have cared about it years ago, I've been like, that doesn't matter, like whatever, whatever. But now I'm like, no, this is the part of my job that I enjoy the most, like creating a space that's fun, that's endearing, that's empowering, that's welcoming, that's inclusive, that's all those things. So that's a long winded answer to how I ended up here. But yeah, that's me. That was, I think, a perfect answer. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) On my side, I have spent most of my career working in very large companies, including GE, JPMorgan Chase, most recently Meta. I have worked across many verticals as well, media and entertainment, industrial technology, financial services, technology. And I, as a leader, have been focused on marketing. But I think through all of those experiences, what I have seen time and again is that the interpersonal relationships on a team, the culture of a team, the feeling that you get from your leader can be the difference maker in terms of doing work that you are proud of forevermore. And so I think a lot about what are the conditions required to unlock creativity, to unlock innovation, to have people really performing to their fullest capacity. And I think over the last 
two to three years with the pandemic, we have been forced now more than ever to really account for who everyone is and what they might need and be much more thoughtful about that because suddenly it became life or death. You know, before it was like, you know, let's all be grateful we have a job and this is what it is. You show up with a smile on your face, but it didn't necessarily leave a lot of room for people who were taking care of other people, maybe taking care of themselves to be able to do certain things for their own health. We all receive information differently. We all create differently. All of these things existed before the pandemic, but we weren't forced to kind of stop and really, really look at them until it was like, you can't go outside. So how are we going to work together? <laughs> you know, we're, all like, we're all really, really scared together. So how are we going to work together while we're all running in Target to get toilet paper? Like now, how, how, what? Yeah, we need a little, <laughs> apparently we need, you know, a little, little shared trauma. So as I've been thinking about this, it is kind of more complex than ever to lead teams now, but it's also, I used to say this about marketing too. It's like marketing is more complex than ever. It's also the best time to be a marketer. And maybe it's also the best time to be a leader because there's more space, I think, than we've ever had to bring in uh, empathy and humanity into how we lead as a growth driver for your business, not something that is going to suck up time away from the hard hitting stuff. That's all being reframed. Yeah, I think you took some of the words right out of my mouth in terms of a great time to be a leader. I think this is one of the first times. There's something really important about being able to recognize that everyone is going through the same thing at the same time. There, there's a certain just like sheer magnitude of those types of experiences that we're having as a collective that I think cause for massive change. And I think this is the best time to be having this conversation because we have a little time. We're still in the thick of it. I'm pretty sure the White House just announced that like they're ending what they're calling the pandemic right now. And it'll just be like a coronavirus will just be a part of our lives, right? So I, I think we have a lot of learnings from the past two plus years, as well as our guests who share just such invaluable information about how we can move forward and navigate whatever this new normal is going to look like, given our all shared collective past experiences. So Katrina, I'd love for you to tell us, like, what was your perspective? What was your journey working through the pandemic? Like, how was that for you? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I started a new job, which I'm no longer in, but I started a new job at August 2020 at Meta, totally remote. Oh my God, how far we've come. But I remember in that experience, you know, one of the things that felt very different and maybe harder in a way just through the screen is developing deeper interpersonal relationships and making friendships. But that's also a reflection of the heart and soul of the company that you work on. And so I was surprised to actually experience that I was able to kind of build relationships and friendships through the screen. And I think that's something that I will remember forevermore, which is that if you are working on those aspects of your business, just because you're not together doesn't mean it can't happen. And what that means is that you can start doing that more across different time zones, internationally, people who are on different schedules. There's no reason not to reach out and build those relationships. And we have all the tools to do that. And at a certain point, we also started using VR. You know, Meta has the Horizon platform, Horizon Workrooms. And there were some people who I just like really wanted to sit next to. And I was like, we've got the headsets. Why don't we do it? And it was pretty incredible, the feeling of presence and that also being a bit of a leap forward. So the tools and technology that we have right now, if we use them in the right way, and if we don't burn ourselves out with them, they're incredibly powerful in terms of expanding our ability to build relationships. And then I think it's really important to communicate, over-communicate kind of expectations and take time to understand individual needs, how to bring people together. 
one of the things that keeps coming up that's hard is there's no one size fits all. Like it used to be Monday to Friday, nine to five was like your baseline. There is no that anymore. Depending on the origin story of the company, the industry, the location, the makeup of the employees, it is different in every one of those cases. The formula that works best is different. But what's the same is now the new practice of taking a little bit more time on the human side to understand each team member's needs, and then really communicating and making sure that when you do bring people together, there's a clear stated value. You're not just doing it to sit next to each other, even though that's nice. And that will come. You can't fill a full, you know, an eight-hour day with like nonstop heavy-hitting stuff. But really being clear together on this is the day or these are the days. We used to call them anchor days when we're all going to come and be in the office together. Here's why. And as we use those anchor days, we're probably going to optimize them, find different value that we didn't expect, uh, stop doing certain things that maybe aren't as useful. But that is an incredibly like, you know, you're in it together. You're not just dictating meeting times and schedules and like sitting in your office. And so that's a that's a pretty incredible evolution. Yeah. I mean, I think two things really stick out to me about what you just said. One is just a level of intentionality around how we're using people's time. What's the best use of people's time? How do we build relationships that are meaningful and impactful when we remove the layers of familiarity and comfort? Because now this is how do I talk to my boss? virtually? Like, how do I voice my displeasure about something? How do I, how do I handle any of those things if I can't see them face to face or, or have that, you know, same IRL energy, I guess is the best way that I can put it. I think your point about kind of being intentional and thoughtful about that is really important. I think the other thing too, around technology is really, really important. Like even today, I just discovered we use Google suite and Google workplace at CFG and I just discovered you can put polls in Google Meets, you can do live transcripts, you can vote on things, you can like have shared collaborative workspaces to draw, you can do breakout rooms. And I was like, I didn't even know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even know we could do that. <laughs> it is incumbent on us to to kind of figure out how technology can best serve us during this time. So I think there was a lot of just evidence that came out of working through the pandemic that helped businesses, at least good businesses, businesses who are listening to their teams and their team members, be able to make work better in some ways. And that's something that I think is really important. One of the things that I have struggled with tremendously during the pandemic is lack of IRL, like coming out of the pandemic, like that, that was particularly difficult. And it was a different type of evolution because during the first couple of months, the people used to be like, oh my God, Annalise, how are you surviving? Like, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I've been working at home by myself, running this agency by myself for the past like three months. So it doesn't feel that different because I wasn't really leaving my house. I was working crazy hours. Like it was just me in my apartment all the time. So it didn't really feel that different. But it wasn't until we started to hire team members that I really felt oh yeah, we're in a pandemic and we can't be around each other. It wasn't until that actually happened that I was like, oh, I'm feeling grief is the right word. Like I'm grieving the loss of what we would consider like the traditional work environment. And eventually I had to get over that and figure out, well, how do I still build those moments of connectivity? And the best parts of what I think being in person and being in an office brings to the table. And I don't think I got it right immediately. I think it took me a little while, but now like three years plus later, I'm like, oh my God, I love our remote culture. Like I couldn't imagine forcing everyone to come into an office five days a week. I think we've been able to build something that one, our employees love, myself as business leader, I love, but also was built 
by everyone, not just built by one person. I think I was very observant of some of the patterns and trends that were starting to emerge that helped me understand what direction we need to go into. Like right now it's virtual office at our agency, which we do twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that came as a result of, I would see our team members in Slack always on a huddle and they'd be on for like hours. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is happening right now? And I asked them and they were like, we just like talking to each other. Like, even if we're not saying anything, like we just are on, sometimes we're on video and we're just working and that's it. And I was like, I do that with my friends on FaceTime. Like, oh, we're all at home. Everyone's working and like, they're just on the screen. And it seems like everyone was doing that. So I was like, okay, let's do virtual office. We'll do it twice a week. For some people who don't want to be virtual and camera on and talk to people all the time, you don't have to join. It's optional, but you have to join at least one session. And they love it. Like the other day, people were on there until like eight o'clock sharing like throwback prom pictures. And like, you would have thought it was like a happy hour. But that is something that came out of paying attention, listening to my team members and seeing what brought them that sense of connectedness and being together and building relationships. And so I don't think I would have ever picked up on anything like that or thought to even do something like that had I not been getting buy-in from my entire organization on how to move forward with this new reality of remote work. So it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> you know what's amazing about that is that I feel like so many of our organizations were trying to crack virtual happy hour. And so many of us were like, not another virtual happy hour. <laughs> because you observed what was happening organically and leaned into that, you figured out the valuable way to bring people together for that virtual socialization. And I just think that's so important to put a point on. You let it happen organically and then you took the time to pay attention. And that's the type of leadership that we are going to see, we need to see going forward. I think if you're a leader right now struggling to figure out, you know, how to manage your team, even because there's a lot of companies right now who are making adjustments. They're saying, oh, come back into the office. There are people who are moving to four day work weeks. If it's a meeting more than three people, it's canceled. We're not doing them anymore. Like they're off the calendar completely. So I think people are doing and trying wonderful, creative, innovative things. But at the end of the day, if it's not tailored to the community that you're serving, it's pointless. Doesn't matter. There are also these these massive swings. And like, I know we don't like meetings, but I also thought to myself, oh my God, if you canceled all my meetings, I am committed to making any meeting I have valuable. If you wiped those all from my calendar, all the roles I've had have been about collaboration and influence. That doesn't suddenly disappear. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Let's take a minute maybe to figure out there are certain functions in certain organizations that if you're building the product every day, I get it. If you're setting the business strategy and you need to get aligned with five different teams and you know move as one, you're going to need to talk to each other. There's a ton of nuance. It's been a journey. It really, it really has been. And I think that's why I'm so excited about the podcast. I know, Katrina, you, I'm sure you feel the same way, but I just think it's good to build conversation, community, get insight from people who are doing things so vastly different than us. Like, you know, your experience at Meta during the pandemic, very vastly different from my experience at CFG during the pandemic. And I'm, as we go through the season and talk to business leaders and, and people who we just really respect and admire, you'll see everyone's approach is different. And somehow, most of us at least, landed somewhere that we're like kind of okay with. <laughs> and my hope is that through these conversations, we end up with, again, it won't be a one-size-fits-all formula, but a list of strategies 
to lean into depending on the context of the situation that we're working through. And I think it's also going to feel nice to remind ourselves that we're not alone going through this. Everyone's figuring it out. The biggest leaders out there are figuring it out. So we're in it together. And Lisa, I want to ask you uh, one final question, which I know that we're going to ask the guests who join us, but what's the best piece of advice you've ever received throughout your career? Oh, man. There's so many. I'm a sponge. So it's like I take everything that everyone says to me and just absorb it. So I think everyone's given me like great, great pieces of advice. What I can say right now that I think resonates the most with me during this season of my life is that some someone said this to me. My dad said this to me. Um, so I'll, this, this is a shout out to Bernard. I love my dad. I love my parents, but like my dad, I feel like I get a lot of my work ethic from my dad, but short story on my dad. He came to America when he was 19 and he went to trade school, went to night school, like got a degree, started working for like a pager company and like fixing answering machines. And now he's like a VP of network engineering at one of the biggest banks in the world. And I grew up seeing him work very hard. Like one of the things I remember most is like, I would go to work with him on Saturdays. He would work late, bring me and my sisters and we would like hang out in the conference room and play games or do whatever. But one thing that he always said, and I hope this doesn't sound cliche, is that he loves solving problems. Like his job is just literally solving problems and that mattered so much to him. And it didn't matter how much money he was making if that level of fulfillment, like an intellectual stimulation wasn't there for him. And I felt the exact opposite for most of my life. I was like, what are you talking about? If I'm like on the cover of Forbes one day, I'll be happy. Like, I, what What do you mean fulfillment? And now I'm like, yeah, the money absolutely doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It is completely irrelevant. Like you can have all the money in the world and be absolutely miserable if you're not doing things that are authentic and true to you. And so I think that's the best piece of advice I've ever received in my life, even though it took me so long to learn it. <laughs> like so long to really figure it out. But yeah, is that money is not the end all be all. Money is a tool. It's just something that helps you achieve certain things or get places, but it isn't what is going to help you wake up in the morning feeling satisfied and go to bed feeling happy and fulfilled. And that is probably one of the best pieces of advice that, again, like I said, took me a really long time, but I got there and I get it now. <laughs> if you've gotten it at this point, you've got plenty of time to apply it. So yeah, shout out to Bernard. That's a beautiful story. No, shout out to my dad. Um, what about you? What is the greatest piece of advice you've received in your career? I'm going to share one that I, I was thinking about, like, what have I come back to again and again over the years? And it's from our executive coach, Kate Payne. And she always used to say to me when I was in a situation of self-talk that was usually negative, when is self-talk positive? <laughs> we gotta work on that. We should do an episode on self-talk because I like I have so much to say on the topic of self-talk and how it just doesn't serve us. Like it's just it's not it's not it's helping, not helping us. us. We're not benefiting. <laughs> but as I would kind of go into uh, a story or a scenario in my head. And, you know, the more you ruminate on something, the more serious it gets. She would always stop me and say, okay, but what evidence do you have that this actually happened? That this person really thinks that about you? That X or Y is really what's going to happen? You know, the overarching point is that mostly people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> That's always a good thing. As you are thinking about yourself. And also, as I would stop and think about 
my answer to that, I would kind of say, oh, no, I don't actually have any evidence that any of that is happening. And so it's like pumping the brakes. And it is, I'm going to need to pump the brakes forever. So I'm probably, I'm going to always come back to that piece of advice, both professionally and personally. And I'm very grateful for it. I think that is a great piece of advice. I am big on all the resources. So like my therapist has said that to me. Our coach, Kate, has said that to me. I'm currently reading a book right now that is talking about this exact same thing. So I'm like, everybody can't be wrong. You know, they all must be right. Like they all must know something (laughs) and I figured it out. Well, if you can just remind yourself of that the next time you get into a self-talk scenario. Yeah. I have a note on my computer right now as we're recording that I wrote with our coach, Kate, that says the voice in your head is a protective asshole. She does want what is best for me though. And so that's what I remind myself <laughs> when I get into those spirals. Like I have to take a second and be like, okay, you aren't my enemy here, but you're not exactly helping right now. So like, what are you, what purpose do you actually serve? Like if I can get through all the chatter and get to like the actual feelings I'm trying to work through, then I'm like, oh, okay. I get why you're showing up this way for me because maybe I'm feeling insecure or maybe I'm feeling nervous about something and you're trying to protect me, but like, I'm going to have to figure this one out, you know, without you. So I love that. You're also reminding me of one of my favorite books, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who is like a master negotiator. (laughs) So it's like you're negotiating with the lovely character in, in your mind. One of my favorite parts of the book was, I think it's in the setup. He's like, if when you win what you want, everybody wins. And, you know, so you're like, well, but what about compromise? And like, no, no, no. When you get the outcome that you set out to get, everybody wins. And as you're talking about that negotiation with the voice in your head, I'm like, yes, don't forget when you, Annalise, win, Annalise's voice. Do you have a name for her? No. You know what? Somebody told me that I should do that. Someone was like, give her a name. I don't know. I don't know if it's too much. I know. Because I was listening to a podcast and Malala was talking about how talking to herself in the third person and like creating some physical distance between like things that are difficult to deal with psychologically is really helpful. And so I was talking to our Kate, our coach, about that. And I was like, I don't even know if I have the words to compromise this little being in my head to capture her and who she is. I don't even know if a name exists my inner voice. I'm not sure. But yeah, some people do that and it works really well for them. I'm on the fence about it. I feel like when you name them, it gives them a, even more power. And I'm like, you know, you don't get a name. Like power. <laughs> yes. That is exactly how I feel. I'm like, I don't need like Bertha, like coming behind <laughs> me and like ruining, <laughs> ruining my life. Like I don't want her to take on a life of her own. <laughs> anyway, when you and Elise win, you both win. So yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for listening. We are so excited to go through this journey with you as listeners and people who are dealing with some of the things that we're dealing with, people who might not be dealing with the things that we're dealing with and can have just a different perspective on things that will be really transformational for who you are, for who we are, who our guests are. This dialogue and discourse is so needed. And if we want work to be enjoyable for all, not just for some We're going to have to figure this out together. Beautifully said. If you want to stay up to date on new episodes, feel free to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about, anything that burning questions, you can send us an email at amiomute at gmail.com. So please shoot us a note and we appreciate all the feedback. Thank you for listening.